Hey everybody, it's Tim. Welcome or welcome back to the LOH Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, I ask you to please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and our YouTube channel, where you can access all our message content. Most importantly, I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in the faith journey. Enjoy. The lampstand, the presence and the power. Um, Again, I want to thank everybody for the feedback, the enthusiasm uh, you've shared with me, so many things. I'd love to go deeper. I'm only scratching the surface on this thought of the tabernacle, but uh, uh, we're going to move on into something else uh, next week, starting a Christmas series called Christos Time is Here. um, But what I hope is that you dig deeper in this thought. Now, Today, I'm going to share with you the, the final message in the series. Um, I, I had two Thanksgiving dinners, one Thanksgiving Eve uh, at my sister Tracy's house, and there was a gigantic spread, right? And I filled my plate. Um, then I, the next day, on Thanksgiving Day, we spent uh, Thanksgiving at Devin and Shelby's house and another gigantic spread and I filled my plate. Okay? This message, not the series, this message is not the plate. It's the gigantic spread. Just so you know. This message I'm going to give you today, you will not get it all in this message. This message will require you to listen very closely and will require you to listen again very closely Um, If there's ever a message that I've preached that I, if you can say, proud in the spirit of, it's this one. Because we, um, because of the train that comes by. Another reason you should move here. We're a church with a train whistle in every sermon we do. Um, This one is, this one is, this one's deep. Um. But this one is um, life-changing. Not a moment of life-changing, a life-changing. We've been in the book of Ephesians, and what I've found in the book of Ephesians is that God has destined humanity in Christ to bring glory to God. You and I, as believers in Christ, are destined to live in the glory of God And that glory is to be transferred from generation to generation to generation. I've invested more than a year and a half of another year bringing out the riches from the book of Ephesians to our church. Um, The reason I've done that is so that you will be able to grab a hold of something that will take you to a place where your faith becomes exuberant in your life. And I believe after we complete today's message, which will complete this volume, you'll be able to uh, look at passages from other parts of the Bible when it talks about seeking the face of God uh, in the secret place with the Lord and these other things. It's going to take you immediately if if, if you are if you're a good student of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
It will take you immediately to the context of what we've been talking about. Only the Holy Spirit on the inside of us can give us eyes and ears. And I pray for that today. So would you, if you see this next passage in Ephesians chapter one, this is the prayer we're praying for this message and for our church. It's this. Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be, notice the word, enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here we go. Once again, this next... Here is... uh, the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. And as Jazzy and Azy told us, we have walked from here to here, and now we're going to talk about this leading to this and this today. As I said, it's the whole spread. We followed the Holy Spirit through the curtain, his body, to the bronze altar, this one, the whole burnt offering, and we've said that Romans 12.1 explains this in New Testament idea. In view of the mercy of God, in view of the sacrifice at the curtain, the body of Jesus, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your true spiritual worship. So the bronze altar is Romans 12.1. Romans 12.2 is the labor, which represents the washing of water, the word. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can not only know, but approve what the will of God is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. But the spirit doesn't leave us in the outer courts. He bids us go with him. And we are, as Paul said, to walk in the footsteps and keep in step with The Spirit. The Spirit is leading us to the heart and glory of God, okay? And so now we are talking about this to begin with today. We're going to look at the lampstand, the table of bread, the altar of incense, and the ark of the covenant. The Spirit says, let's go further. From the light to the anchor of hope, from the table, we're going to talk about angelic activity. What a thought. Talk about angels in church. From the word to the face of God. And Lord, we pray that you'd awaken the wonder of worship again. The wonder of worship is in our church, but let's wonder more. Let's wonder more. Let's see signs and wonders. How do we get there? We get to the signs and wonders. We get to the signs and wonders. We get to the signs and wonders in the tabernacle, all right? So, let's go to slide five, guys. Hebrews tells us this. Now, the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up. In its first room were the lampstand, the table with its consecrated bread, This was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant. This Ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant, or the law of Moses. Next verse. Above the Ark 
were the cherubim of the glory. Cherubim is a rank of angel, the high rank of angel, cherubim, and they protected the glory of God. That's what they did. Overshadowing the atonement cover. But we cannot discuss these things in detail now. I get you, writer of Hebrews. That's where I'm at. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning. That, that, that curtain between the, most, between the holy place and the most holy place that was up as, as, as AZ, I think it was AZ or Jazzy, I'm not sure which one said, that when Jesus rose from the dead in the earthquake, Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit and behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rock split. The, the curtain that that's talking about was the curtain between the most holy place, I mean, and the holy place. That curtain, that curtain. The priest could only go beyond that curtain once a year and never without blood and not his own and offer that blood on the altar of the uh, ark, sprinkle the ark to atone for sins for a nation for a year. But Jesus, when he died and said it's finished, God, from top to bottom, tore that veil and opened for all an entrance into the most holy of all places on the earth. And that came through Jesus. Let's thank the Lord for what Jesus did. And then the Hebrew writer says, and now we are are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus. And he welcomes us to come into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm, boldly and without hesitation, because he's dedicated a new life-giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to him. Where is he? Where is he? We're going to see. And since we now have a magnificent high priest to welcome us into God's house. Now you see what God's house is, right? The house of God. We come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced that nothing will keep us at a distance from him but ourselves. But ourselves. Outer court living or inner court living. From the bronze altar or to the heart of God where the glory is. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity, and we have been freed from an accusing conscience, says the word of God. Now we're clean, unstained, presentable to God inside and out. So now wrap your heart tightly around the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps his promises. We're going to unpack those thoughts today. Let's go to the next slide. In the holy, pl- in the holy place... Um, guys... Let's see. I think I jumped over one. I did, sorry. You guys are right. And let's go back. I'm sorry, guys. Stay with me. This is my first time preaching. (laughs) (laughs) And in one body, and in one body, Jesus, in one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility, For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. What's our access to? The Father. The Father, the Holy Spirit, 
has given us access and he wants to lead us into manifestation of that access and reality in our lives. All right, now let's go to the next slide. The lampstand, let's start there. See that? It's called the, uh, in modern terms, it's called the menorah. It's a seven, seven lamps on, on that one lampstand. Let me tell you about this. This is in the, in the holy place. The only illumination in the holy place, the only light in that place comes from this, the lampstand. And it shines on two other pieces in the holy place, okay? There is no other light there. There's no, you can't, you couldn't, if that wasn't lit, you couldn't see anything because the layers of porpoise skins on the top caused it so dark you could not see in front of your own hand, your, your hand in front of your face. So this was the only light in the holy place and it's shining on two other pieces. There are seven lamps. In the book of Revelation, uh, it's called the, before the throne, it's called the sevenfold spirit of God. Sevenfold. That means those, those seven lamps uh, represent what's interesting in, in chapter 11 of Isaiah. Isaiah says that Messiah will be anointed with the spirit, and then he lists seven facets or streams of that anointing. And you can look that up. It's in Isaiah 11. Um, this lampstand was to be filled with a special oil, not any kind of oil. The, uh, an oil that God said, make it exactly like this kind of oil. And it was to be continually full, and it was to burn and be lit 24-7. It was to never go out. When Israel backslid and the priesthood backslid, it says that the lamp went out in the house of the Lord. And the word of God was rare in those days. I'll, I'll put that together in a minute. Okay? What is also interesting is that Jesus Christ called John the Baptist. This is interesting. Stay with me. Jesus Christ called John the Baptist a burning and shining lamp. Okay? John the Baptist, the anointed Baptist baptizer, was the only lampstand that led people to see the bread of life. Jesus was the bread of life. John's purpose, as Jesus called him a lampstand, was to shine through his anointing on Jesus. John's anointing of a lampstand led people to see the face of God in the face of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Now the Bible says that no man can see God's face and live. But John's light shone on the face of Jesus. No man can see God's face and live, but listen, no person that sees the face of Jesus through the anointing of the Holy Spirit can die. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And he also said, I'm the bread of life. In Revelation chapter one, when John sees Jesus' glory, he is standing, burning, a burning eyes of a flame of fire, burning from his head to his feet. And he's in the middle of seven blazing. Let's go back, guys. Go back to the lampstand, please. Stay with me. 
You got my script? Not there either. There we go. Thank you. Jesus is standing in the midst of seven of these. And the Holy Spirit says that the lampstands are the churches. And Jesus in the messages to the churches says about some of them, they left their first love. Others, they compromised with the world. Others became lukewarm and all that. And in each one, he says, if you listen, I won't take your lampstand away. In other words, if you listen and walk with me, you'll have fresh revelation of me and the, and the, and the anointing of the flame of the spirit will reside in your church. If not, this is not a rapture verse, but he says, I'll come like a thief and take your lampstand away. In Zechariah chapter four, when Ezra and Nehemiah, and we're going to preach on this in January, Lord willing, when they come led by God to rebuild the house of the Lord in Jerusalem and Nehemiah to establish protective walls around the city and every part, every tribe, every leader, every person gets in place, they come, they come up against opposition. And Zechariah the prophet shows, sees a vision of this. And he says, this is the word of the Lord of the builders. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Oh, there's more. I said, we're not filling a plate. I'm showing you the whole spread. In the parable of Jesus about the coming of the Lord described like a wedding, Jesus describes those who, with, who have oil in their lamps as being wise virgins. And those who go with the pro process into the wedding of the king are those who have oil in their lamps. And then he says, have your lamps burning, waiting for my return. We don't want our lamps to go out. Fill them with oil, shine like a lampstand is to do. But the Holy Spirit is taking us now from the labor in the outer court, natural lighting. If you go through the bronze altar, Offer yourself as a living sacrifice. The labor, you're reading the word and your mind is being renewed to think like God, think like kingdom, think like the ways of the spirit. But the spirit, if we're in the word, will lead us into this compartment where this light is the only light that shines. This is called the secret place. I don't have time to unpack all this. This is the secret place. The outer court is not the secret place. This is the secret place. Within this secret place, there's a table. Let's go to the next one now, guys. Awesome. With two stacks of six pieces of flat bread, which represents 12, representing the sons of Israel. Also representing the disciples. And the Bible says you must bake 12 flat loaves of bread Place the bread before the Lord on the pure gold table. Arrange the loaves in two stacks. And then it says this. This is in Leviticus. Favorite book of the Bible, right? Your favorite book? I'm telling you, the Bible will pop when you understand the context of this. 
He says, put some pure frankincense, listen to this. Put some pure frankincense. It's Christmas time, right? The only time we ever think of frankincense. Put some pure frankincense near each stack of bread as a representative offering, a special gift presented to the Lord. Every Sabbath day, this bread must be laid out before the Lord as a gift from the Israelites, an ongoing expression of the covenant of God. The loaves of bread will belong to Aaron and his sons. And now we're not in the law, we're in the new covenant, and now we're all priests. Let me look. Hey, this bread's for you. <laughs> This bread's for you. It's the permanent right of the priests to claim this portion, ready, of the special gifts of the Lord. Do you know the Bible says that to those who fear the Lord, that means you've gone your whole burnt offering life, you're, you're listening to the Spirit, you follow him in the process of the washing, and you go into the lampstand and you stand in the presence of the blazing one that can expose light and darkness in your life. Those who fear the Lord, the Bible says the secret things belong to those who fear the Lord. The secret place. Outer court living, where you don't sell out on that altar after being saved through the curtain, after being saved. Outer court living that bypasses the 12, 1 and 2, you don't get the secret things of the Lord. Uh, that's just a fact. The first Corinthians crowd, chapter three, they were blessed with every gift of the spirit, Paul says. And he goes, but I couldn't teach you the things of the spirit because you're acting like more, you're out of court people that bypass the altar. What about when James says, here's why your prayers aren't answered. You're praying your guts out. Here's why not. Because you want them for your own lusts. You're not after the will of God. James would never win a, a, a vote to, a candidating for a pastor in today's church world. He just wouldn't make it. Probably neither would the disciples. Put frankincense near the bread. Jesus is the living bread, right? He said, who came down from heaven if one eats of me, he shall never die. Isaiah said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. See the lampstand Im imagery? For unto us a child is born, God with us. He became flesh and he pitched his tent. The word became flesh and dwelt. That word dwelt literally means a dwelling tent. He pitched his tabernacle in flesh in the midst of darkness, revealing the mystery. He appeared in a body. Look at this. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem comes from two Hebrew words, bayit, meaning house, lehem, means bread, five miles south of Jerusalem. What was one of the gifts brought to the house of Mary that was laid at the feet of the bread of life? Frankincense. Do you see that? Yeah. Who resided in Bethlehem? No man has seen God at any time, but God the Son has revealed him. The bread of life broke the bread in the wilderness and fed 5,000. He broke bread after the resurrection in an inn with Cleopas and another unknown disciple who had lost all hope. And when he broke bread from his hand, it says, 
And he was a living spirit, by the way, a life-giving resurrected spirit, the first fruits from the dead, Jesus of Nazareth, after the cross. And he breaks the bread at the table, and their eyes are opened, and they say, did our hearts not burn as he opened the scriptures to us? The table of bread is the secret place. And God commanded the priests to have fresh bread on that table. I said it in the earlier message, that table of showbread, the word showbread or bread of the presence literally means the bread of the face. So, you know, when the Bible says, seek the face of God, seek his face, seeking his face is not outer court living. Seeking his face is not bypassing the altar of whole burnt service in outer court living. Seeking his face is in the secret place. And seeking his face, you can't see the face of God in the dark. But when the holy lampstand is blazing, shining on the bread, the Holy Spirit of God's anointing, illuminating someone that fears the Lord, will open the eyes, not of the natural man, but of the eyes of the heart. How many of you are with me on this? The eyes of the heart to see the face of God in the bread of the word of God. No man can live by bread alone, natural bread, but in the secret place, abiding, dwelling in the tent of the righteous. Do you hear what I hear? Do you hear that? As he took bread, he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. You're going to love this. There's another item in this secret place. Let's go there. Awesome. The top, I thought that was me. The top is called the altar of incense. This is a different altar. This is a different altar. This altar, now stay with me, this, this, is, a, this is in the next, the next compartment, the most holy place, the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, Indiana Jones is right behind that curtain right there. (laughs) And the Nazi guy melted over here. Anyway, uh, okay, altar of incense, altar of incense, okay. This is a different altar than the altar in the outer court. This is a different altar than the altar to repent of your sins and turn to God and come through the curtain. This is an altar for the saved. This is an altar for those who fear the Lord and have followed the Spirit out of carnal outer court living, natural worldly light, led by your own thoughts, making your own decision and calling your own shots and asking the Lord to bless them. This is an altar that represents prayer that God senses as incense that's coming up before him. It's not strange fire. Eli's backslidden priest sons bypassed the outer court, lived in sexual immorality, offered strange fire up to God, and their life was history. And Eli was judged for it because Eli allowed that kind of priestly ministry to go on in the house of the Lord. And when Eli allowed that kind of ministry in the house of the Lord, God turned the light off and you couldn't find a fresh word on the table of bread until little Samuel 
was dedicated by his mother, Hannah. And a little priestly tunic was made. And as he grew, she made a new one. She didn't change it into something else. His name means he hears. And you know where he slept? Samuel, a little boy, slept. His, his uh, veggie tails uh, sleeping bag. <laughs> right in front of the Ark of the Covenant. What might your kid hear laying his little life, her little life down next to where the glory of God dwells? This altar is different than the outer court altar. This altar leads you to the mercy seat. This altar where incense of prayer to God goes, this curtain is torn, it's not even, it's not even there anymore because of Jesus. And, 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 and your special evangelist guy or pastor or somebody doesn't need to go in there for you. You can pray miracles. You can pull down devil's strongholds. If he can get you to think you got to get to me, if you can think that you can't hear God unless it's chained to a pulpit, God wants to meet every one of us from the least to the greatest. I will be there for you. Let's go on. This ark was to be the... If you study uh, Exodus when God says, make the tabernacle, okay, curtain, bronze altar, laver, are you getting anything out of this? Just checking. Bronze altar, laver, lampstand, altar. Guess the first piece of, uh, the first thing that God said to make, the first thing God said to make was the throne, the altar, the, co- the Ark of the Covenant, first thing. First thing and then backwards. Not us first to God, God first to us. And the incense altar led to the throne of God where the glory of God is. The Lord required a special kind of incense. You couldn't burn any kind. Had to be a special kind and it was to never go out. The altar of incense was to burn incense continually and it was to be a memorial for generation after generation after generation. Now, why in the world would we, would we tell people in our generation to unhitch from what I'm teaching you? Paul said, pray without ceasing. So here's the question. What kind of prayers get answered in the presence of God? What kind of prayers reach the throne of God? Any kind? What kind of prayers get to the presence and activate angelic activity? Answer? Prayers that come from the table of bread seeking the face of the Lord. 
Hey guys, can you go back to the slide that shows the lampstand just for a sec? Thank you. That's the only light in the secret place. The only light. Go to the next one. That light shines on this. Okay, so let's stay right here a minute. Prayers that are directed by the Holy Spirit through the illumination from that Spirit are the prayers that approach the throne of God. Here's what that means. That is the, 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 the whole Bible, reading it constantly, is the labor in the outer court. The secret place in the burning lampstand of the anointing of the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit doesn't live in your house as, as, a, as, a, uh, as a servant. The Holy Spirit is the God of my, of my life. And he runs the house. When the Holy Spirit runs the house in the life of a Christian, when you go to the Word, the Word becomes living. It is living, but it becomes alive to you. And if my heart is not like that, it's a dead book. And blind eyes and deaf ears. Isaiah tells us that in 6, 28. Jesus says it in Matthew 13, Mark 4, Luke 8, and John 12. Amos preaches it in every chapter. A famine not of... Natural bread, but of the word of the Lord. Because of the outer court living. And corruption of the priesthood. But in every time of that, God always raises up a new generation, always raises up a someone. Oh my. So, the word of God, I don't have a Bible with me. The word of God, as I'm reading with my heart like that in, in the lampstand the burning, blazing, anointed presence of God. In the word of God, God wants to activate within context words to you. Perhaps you need a word about how to save your marriage. You need a word about how to, how to parent your child. You need a word about direction of any sort. Uh, it's in the secret place, not the outer court. Outer court is Billy, Joe, Bob, and Freddie and them. And everybody's got an opinion, and most of them are wrong. Well, I feel like God. Well, I think God. Well, I feel like this. And here's a YouTube video. This and blah, 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 blah. Seven steps to this, 19 steps to that. Here's the steps. Here's the steps from the curtain to the whole burnt offering to the laver to the lampstand. That's the steps. That's the steps. This is not one plate. I'm giving you all. You got to go back to this. I've already said enough stuff that, but I'm giving you more because we got to we got to get it out there. Please share this. Abiding in the Word is feeding on the bread that's revealed through the fiery illumination of the lampstand. So when Jesus talks about if you abide in me and I in you and the words in you, you ask what you will. You know why? Because what you will, what I will is what I've seen from the lampstand speaking the living bread word to me. And I'm already, I've already surrendered my will. I'm already a dead man. I'm already a dead man from the whole burnt offering. I'm carrying the cross daily. 
And so I'm in that place and I don't live by bread alone. I don't live by the world. The living word in the contemporary issues of my life because listen, here's, here's the thought. God really does care about people, especially those who fear him. God can make you look smart when you're as dumb as a post if you fear the Lord and you follow the Holy Spirit into the lampstand and the table of the bread of the presence. That means all of us can be encouraged today. I was dumb and now I'm still dumb, but I've not seen my life forsaken or the... Blessed are the dumb when it comes to your wise in your own eyes or walking in the wisdom of God. Okay, so you get a word from the word because the only light that is showing you this is the Holy Spirit. And that word, so you know what you do with that word? That's a word that you heard. That's a word that you saw. It's not strange fire. These prayers at that incense altar, guys, let's go to the incense altar. These prayers are not going to hit a curtain blocking them from God's throne. Because Jesus tore that thing down. And therefore, I can have great hope. I'm not putting my hope in someone that prays and then goes in Jesus' name. If I'm not in the will of God, you can say Jesus as loud as you want. But... Raising the volume at the end within Jesus' name will not guarantee your prayers. You can whisper it. You can think it. And if you've got what you've got from the lampstand and the bread and you come to that, you might be so weak in the war that if you just lay on that altar, that one, that incense goes up to the throne of God. And that's not even enough of what I'm going to say. John says it this way. This is the confidence we have in what? Approaching God. This is not outer court bypassing the whole burnt offering asking God to win the Powerball. I'm being funny, but you know what I'm saying? This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. I wonder if God's up there in the outer court folks that are trying to play, let's make a deal with God. He says, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Here's what the Lord spoke to my heart in the, inner, in the secret place. Listen to this closely, please. He hears us when the prayers we pray come from hearing him. He hears us when the prayers we pray come from hearing him. Because you know what we're doing? We are coming in the name of Jesus It's not praying what you want and putting Jesus in the name of Jesus as a mantra at the end. You have just been abiding in the living bread in the lampstand. And when you come, why the prayer is answered? Because Jesus said greater works. Greater works won't happen because you go, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. By your stripes I'm healed. It comes from hearing. 
being led by the Spirit. And when you're at that altar, I'm at that altar, God help me because I'm not saying I'm the expert on this, follow me, because I'm, this is all. Jesus is praying through you. Does he get his prayers answered? Here's what Jesus said at the tomb of Lazarus before the resurrection. I thank you that you always hear me because I always do what's pleasing in your sight. So when we approach this altar, the Hebrew writer says, we can take refuge because God never lies. So when the lampstand context, you're dead. I'm dead. My mind's being renewed. I'm not praying crazy, crazy prayers to God. I'm being renewed. I'm in the lampstand, saturated in the presence of the Lord. God help us live this way. And he shows me fresh bread from the word. I bring that to the altar of incense. And as Hebrews says, this is the context of this verse now, this hope we have, what hope? God gave me a word and he never lies. Every word Samuel preached his whole life long never fell to the ground without being fulfilled. Why? Because he listened to God and he lived at the altar, the ark. We can have great refuge and have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of our soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, listen, and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered, having become a high priest for us forever. Where is Jesus? He's right there. Well, he can hear us every, yeah, he can. And I can be a, I can be, uh, I can be Jacob before the wrestling match, playing games with God, saying, okay, God, you're here. If you'll this, I'll that. God said, okay. Well, you think, okay, well, then I can do that too. But what the okay, what Jacob didn't know with the okay was up the road, I'm going to wrestle you to the ground. I'm going to take your hip and knock it out of joint. Your head's so hard you can sleep on a rock and have a good night's sleep. I'm going to turn you inside out. I'm going to make you a, a prince with me, but oh, the making, Jacob. Oh, the making. Above the ark, hammered, one piece of gold, are two cherubim. They are guarding the glory. Hey, not any carnal dude can come strutting in there. My mother wrote me something in 1986 when I was a youth pastor in Alabama. Roll Tide, they won, by the way, yesterday. <laughs> you can find the highlights on YouTube. <laughs> Praise God. All right. She said, nothing hardens the hearts of men of God like handling holy things with unholy hearts. I forget what I said, no. <laughs> Nothing hardens the hearts of men of God like handling holy things with unholy hearts. One of the reasons why the anointing doesn't flow powerfully in many churches is because churches are committing the sin of getting used to it. 
Remember the first altar after the curtain was a humbling altar. That's where Solomon had the whole world of wisdom open to him. Um, Guard of the glory. This is the mercy seat. Hilasterion in the Greek. Atonement cover. Inside here is the tablets of the, of the Ten Commandments. And nobody can, nobody can get to the glory through the Ten Commandments. But God has provided a way from the curtain all the way through. Through the blood of Jesus, the, the sacrifice of Jesus, the Spirit leading us through. God's provided a way and he said, I will forgive your sins, remember them no more, and I will meet you there. I'll meet you there. God can answer prayers of carnal people. He's done it with me. But we're lucky. He's not obligated. He's not obligated. This here, this is a different place. This is a whole different ballgame. This is not an inside the park home run. This is hitting one on the Waverland Avenue at Wrigley Field. This is one hitting one off the transformer like Reggie did in the 71 All-Star game. Oh, and the other thing, this is where the angels are. But Mary was standing outside the tomb, weeping. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white, sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. He's not there now. He's a resurrected priest in the order of Melchizedek, always living to make intercession for us. And he says to the girls, why are you weeping? Why you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. Another one. The man, there's so much in that, huh? Yeah. And when you understand this process, being led by the natural light, the Holy Spirit says, come on in. Come on into the secret place. Led by the Spirit from the outer court to the inner court, because we're in the word, in the will of God, the lampstand with the bread, fed the bread, we approach the altar by faith, our feet are actively motivated to go after God. We've sought his face, we've seen his face, we bring that incense to God and we find this. Hey, let's skip, guys, let's skip the two walk through uh, things and let me just throw something at you. Let's stay right here. Zacharias, John the Baptist's daddy. John the Baptist hasn't been born yet. One time in his life, chosen by Lot, John the Baptist's daddy, Zechariah, got to do that. And he is in the most holy place. And when he's there, Gabriel, one of the highest angels of all, is standing at the right side, the right side of this altar of incense, and he says this, be of good cheer, don't be afraid. Your prayers have been heard. What prayers? Well, somewhere back in his day, along with his wife Elizabeth, they had a rhema word from God. They were gonna have a baby, or believe they were gonna have a baby. And they prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. 
The Greek tense of your prayers have been heard is in a past tense, meaning the prayers you used to pray and maybe, maybe the prayers you used to believe. Because as we see later in that story, his believer broke, right? Zacharias, Gabriel is standing right here and he says, your prayers have been heard. You're gonna have a son, tells him about the forerunner, the lampstand that's gonna shine on the bread of God, John. And Zechariah said, how can I know this? How can I be sure of this? Dude, Gabriel, I would have, I would have said, dude. Gabriel didn't say that. Here's what he said. My name is Gabriel, and I stand in the face of God. I, I look, in other words, I look God right in the face, and he sent me here. I just came right from looking him in the face, and he sent me here to tell you this good news to tell you this good news. Jesus said, fear of causing any little ones, believers, who believe in me to stumble. Why? Because their angels behold the face of their father continually. Now think of this. After we see his face in the bread from the light of the lampstand, how many of you are still tracking with me? Best you can, best you can. Six, six. <laughs> after, we see, after we see his face, we get that altar of incense. We, we don't see the angel, but our angel is right there. What do angels do? Angels are sent to minister to the heirs of salvation. How do they minister? This is now, I'm way out over my skis, but I believe this now. Angels are waiting for people to come from the outer court to get that word from the table and they're waiting at the right side of that altar of incense to be dispatched by God to make our, our life in the kingdom happen by the power of angelic work. And Jesus says amen to the prayers we pray. He says amen to them here. And he meets us there. Who is there? Hebrew says a sympathetic kinsman, brother, Lord, priest. He says, I will meet you where? There. He hears us when the prayers we pray come from hearing him above the mercy seat. That sure beats outer court living. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow. Where's the secret place? He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, you are my fortress and my refuge, my God in whom I trust. Surely you'll deliver me because you're in the secret place. From the snare of the fowler, from the pestilence, you'll cover me because you've made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling. No evil will befall you. No plague come near your dwelling. Is this outer court living? Nope. Is this carnal Christianity? Bypass altar people? Nope. Expect the blessings out there? Nope. Secret place. 
Ollie started with this one. Let's let it pop again. The Lord is my light. Let's go to the, the Lord is my light and my deliverance. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? One thing I ask from the Lord. This is the only thing I seek, that I may dwell where? How many days of life? One Sunday? To gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. Promise, for in the day of trouble he will keep me safe. Where? He will hide me where? In his what? Sacred tent. Do you see that now? And set me up on a rock. Then, then my head will be exalted above the enemies at his sacred tent. I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. Do you know what makes it a joy? When your prayers are getting answered. And angels are flying around. I will make, sing and make music to the Lord. Now, what about this verse? You know what it means now. Psalm 27, 9. My heart says of you. What's it say? That doesn't mean you go out at night and look up in the sky. Where are you? Or you get, a, you get something from uh, our Catholic friends that say uh, the face of Jesus appeared in your cereal. <laughs> or on a rock. Are you by the Shroud of Torin uh, uh, copy, replica, make it a pillowcase? <laughs> we know what seek his face means now. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Teach me your way, lead me. Notice seeking the face and teaching and leading together. I want you to stand, please. I want to lead you in a prayer of, I told you this is a, this is the whole counter filled, stuffing, sweet potato casserole. Praise the Lord for whoever invented that. Uh, key lime pie, pumpkin pie, every kind of pie, turkey, mashed potatoes and gravy, all that. It's before the plate. It's the whole counter. That's what we've given you today. I want to lead in a prayer of fresh anointing on your life and mine and on our church corporately to do what we are doing, but to follow a fresh anointing, a fresh anointing to follow the Spirit like what we've just presented in this series. What might happen? What might we hear? Who might we see? Who might be dispatched to work on our behalf for the king and the kingdom and the will of God? How might the Bible become alive to us? How might our ears begin to hear things that other people can't hear? If you're interested in that, and you say, oh Lord, my heart says seek his face. My answer in this prayer is your face, oh Lord, I will seek, teach me your way. Lead me in a straight path. Are you ready for that? Let's pray. I pray, Father, the words of Paul that came from the secret place in the lampstand. So I know this is good, this is good prayer. This is good incense. I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
would impart to each of you in this room the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is, the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he longs to give his holy people. In Jesus' name, amen.